Hi there, I'm Lori Hellman. I am mom to Skylar, who is an incredible adult son with severe nonverbal autism. My goal when creating the Living the Sky Life podcast four years ago was that the content of each episode bring hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways to each listener. In sharing the many relatable caregiver stories and experiences, I hope that you never feel like you have to travel your parenting journey alone. If you haven't already, please connect with me through my Facebook page, Welcome to My Life, Skylar's World, or Instagram, Welcome to My Life, underscore Lori Hellman, and let's keep the conversation going after each episode airs. If you are enjoying the podcast and are listening on Apple iTunes, could I ask a favor that you please leave a rating and a written review and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for tuning in and subscribing to season four of Living the Sky Life. Hey there, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Living the Sky Life. My guest today is Cindy Alves. Cindy and Justin are a mother and son duo advocate team. Justin is 18 and has a dual diagnosis of autism and ADHD. He was diagnosed at 18 months old. Aside from the role of mom, Cindy serves as Justin's full-time carer and respite worker. She has dedicated the last 17 years to sharing their stories and experiences regarding autism, disability, and most recently, mental health advocacy. In 2020, at the age of 49, Cindy was diagnosed with ADHD. She also has comorbid diagnoses that include generalized anxiety, disorder, and depression. Their Facebook page advocates through the lens of empathy, validation, and respect for all lived experiences. We are a strength-based page, she says, and they concentrate heavily on coping strategies, co-regulation between caregiver, parent, and child, teens, and adults. You can follow Cindy and Justin's journey on Facebook. Their page is called Looking at Life Through Different Lenses, or on Instagram and TikTok, their page is called at Looking at Life with Justin. So please enjoy my conversation with Cindy as we unpack all the things adulting on the spectrum. So welcome back to another episode of Living the Sky Live. My guest today is Cindy Alves. Um, Cindy is the founder of the Facebook account. Um, help me out here. Looking at life through different lenses. Looking at life through different lenses. I knew that and I have that yes. written down, but I can't find it. <laughs> so welcome to the podcast, Cindy. Thank you so much. Well, so I w- want to talk all things um, about your son, um, Justin. Just did he just turn eighteen, or is he, is he about to be nineteen? Uh, he just turned eighteen on September the nineteenth. Wow. Okay. Yes. So you're yes. entering all the adulthood things. Um, <sighs> I am. As, I am as I take a deep breath. <laughs> I know. I know. It's a whole different phase of life. Um, it, it is. It is. Well, and you have you always lived in Ontario? Yes. Okay. Um, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so I'm always curious about services and just kind of the way that autism is, is looked at. I mean, I would imagine it's very similar, but, mm-hmm. um, when he was diagnosed, um, at 18 months, did they have in your area, like early intervention type things? And, and did they kind of do everything the way that we see it here in the States? Okay, so yes, Justin was diagnosed in 2006 at 18 months. Mm -hmm. Uh, Services and everything is so different from what I'm seeing now. Really? um, Okay. In in Ontario, and and in fact, in my advocacy all over the world, I'm seeing um, worse 
uh, than what I had when Justin was younger. Wow. Uh, as far as services go, and uh, you know, in Ontario, um, the services to autism were cut. Um, and I'm not familiar with a lot of that because Justin is older. So I'm familiar mm-hmm. more with uh, two th- 2006 to say 2011, mm-hmm. um, where he was in uh, more in the system um, for autism services. So uh, 18 months he was diagnosed. Uh, at that time, what they told you was um, get him into a daycare. So that was part of the, you know, um, part of the services that they recommended for social. Um, and now I was at the time was still, I was to stay at home mom with my daughter. And, uh, after Justin became diagnosed for me, it was like, he was high needs. So, you know, I just continued to stay at home and became an advocate. So that's what happened on my end. Um, so he started daycare at 18 months. Uh, he went there for a while while we waited for services. Uh, at that time, it was a two-year wait list for what they called back then was IBI, Intense Behavioral Intervention, which is what they call now ABA. Oh, which is okay. Very, which is very controversial. Yeah. Um, and uh, IBI is intensive. So, you know, when we talk about ABA, and the the controversy around it, if they were doing IBI still, it, uh, you know, I think things would be, arguments would be even bigger. More heated. (laughs) More heated, that is the exact word, more heated. And I can only talk about my experiences and what that looked like for Justin. And as we know, everybody is different. Mm -hmm. Um, Justin is uh, diagnosed, dual diagnosed, autism, ADHD. So uh, for him, his biggest challenges has always been um, everything, (laughs) Uh, noise levels, uh, being in large crowds, uh, the ability to sit still, um, executive functioning, sensory processing. And I'm seeing all of this more, sorry, just hit the plug here. I'm seeing this more so now um, that he's older. Mm my bad. I'm That's saying okay. this mo- more that he's older. Um, the effects of what IBI has created. Um, and I, like I said, I will only speak to my own experience. I am not judging jury for anybody else or any other yeah. family and what they choose that that yep. is not, you know, that's not my position. Um, and for us, uh, Justin can't sit still. Yeah. He's one of those, yes. Uh, and he's 18 and I swear I have never seen him sit still. Uh, it's constant, it's constant movement. And um, back then it was like that. And it was very hard because try and make a child stop when they need movement. As if your son is busy, you know what that's like. Mm-hmm. Um, so in IBI at the time, um, when autistic advocates will talk about, you know, from their point of view, um, the abuse of it, um, which is very controversial for us, it helped Justin a lot with skills such as uh, potty training, you know, toilet training. Um, uh, he was very, he needed academics at a very mm-hmm. young age. And so what a lot of it was concentrating on was behaviors. And he had behaviors because it was uh, trying to get him to sit still and attend at the table. Um, hands down. So no stimming, no scripting. When they talk about um, having your child blend in and make them indistinguishable from their peers, at this time, it's what it was. 
uh, and I can only speak of my experience again, I'll keep right. on saying that, but that's what it was. Um, and uh, that's all I knew. And I thought, you know, that's all parents were being taught back then. And that's what we thought was great for our kids. Mm -hmm. um, and we were seeing changes, but now I jump to ahead of 18 and because it was all compliance-based, we are now having to go back and teach Justin how to say no right for his protection yeah for consent um he's very vulnerable he's limited very limited verbally um but consent even if there's limited verbally everybody deserves to have consent right you know and yeah. i'm sure you agree with that for your son um mm -hmm. if i jump ahead to now this is what i might do is just kind of go back and forth to no that's fine just, just that's, to say kind easier. of what i've seen yeah. yeah so just to see kind of you know from from there it was um when, him, when he wasn't an IBI, we had uh, terrible meltdowns, terrible meltdowns and consistent and safety were issues. Um, you know, the ADHD for us was more of a challenge than, than the autism. And I mm -hmm. knew it was more of an autism with him because when I would see other uh, children at IBI or anywhere, um, because it was involved with a lot of things, um, they weren't like Justin. They would sit there and some of them, you know, were, were um, very engaged mm -hmm. or, you know, more easier to get engaged than Justin was. Uh, back then, it was always taught, look at me, look at me. That's all you talked about. And now we know, look at me, takes away from the attention. So, you know, to be able to talk and, and look at the same time is very challenging for a lot of autistic individuals. And Justin is one of those. Yep. So, um when I look back at what I've learned over the years, yes, there was a lot of things that were uh, techniques that were great to use. But for us, the best thing I ever found was occupational therapy was good for Justin because a lot of his needs were sensory related, um, such as the need for movement. You know, should we give him weighted vest? Uh, you know, should we try a lap, a weighted lap pad at school to, when he started school eventually to help him sit? Um, these are all things that you try to do to keep the child compliant and to help them blend in. Mm -hmm. um, and I will say, to parents now, I had to do a lot of the work on my own, on my own. And that very happened very early on. So it was instead of trying to help Justin blend in, now I'm at the point where Justin is autistic. Mm -hmm. Justin has ADHD. He is not neurotypical. And once my brain changed around that, and I said, you know, that's okay. How are we going to put these coping skills into place and these strategies into place so that going forward, I look at, so now I'm a, a mental health advocate. That's what I'm really big on now because we went through a crisis uh, three years ago. And I'm probably touching on a lot of your points as no, we that's go okay. along, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I have ADHD. So for me, I kind of bounce all over the place. So, you know, eventually when people listen, maybe that make, makes sense why I'm maybe bouncing around here and there. But as the thoughts come in my head, I just speak freely. <laughs> so that's kind of how it is. You know, I mean, I am just all over the map. So just to, a head warning for people. Some people may get it. I have been running yeah. into a lot of, especially late diagnosed females, mothers who are like, wow, like, yeah, I see yeah, it. I see it in myself. And, and I was diagnosed last year at 49. So I'm 50 this year. Uh, because I'm like, all along, I talked about, you know, I feel so lazy, you know, I'm tired all the time, yada, yada, yada. And you know, you know what that's like. And it was always something that I found a reason for, you know, whether it was when my mom passed away, it was grief, whether it was just extra stress from, you know, dealing with the system, which is my biggest concern, and has always been, 
is the system is broken and it's mm-hmm. even worse now than it was in Ontario, Canada. I'm sure you can say the exact same thing. Oh yeah. And, and uh, you know, so I, I'm talking more and more about the mental health side of it, the crisis part of it. Um, because for us, for families like this and for our children, whether they're kids, teens or adults, this is long-term mental health preservation. Yeah, it's lifelong for us. I mean, it will be until the day we pass. So. Right? And so when I talk about, you know, my people say like, what are you doing? And I'm like, coping skills. That's what you have to learn. First of all, you have to come to a spot where you're like comfortable with your role in the family. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that, you know, for me, it was acceptance. Um, and that came very early on. And, you know, when I found out Justin was autistic at 18 months, I actually literally got up and I ran. Now I have an anxiety disorder. And I think that had a lot to do with, I took everything that was offered to, it was almost like it became an obsession for me. And I find a lot of this with uh, parents who are newly diagnosed children, or they have younger children. um, It becomes an obsession uh, for advocating for sharing stories about your children. Because for me, my page is strength based. Mm -hmm. I created that because I want to give people hope. Um, I want people to see, and I've always wanted people to see the good in Justin. Mm -hmm. I don't want people to be afraid of him. And this is sometimes what happens when we share all the very, very hard things is I've seen comments where people are like, that kid doesn't deserve to be in school. Take that kid out of school. If that was my kid, I would slap them. Yeah. Yeah. People have so much to say, yet they're not in our positions, you know, Mm -hmm. and you know, that's unsolicited advice that doesn't help. And that doesn't help the mental health of, uh, caretakers, parents, or whoever's um, caring, um, and realizing that we feed off of each other. And when I talk about that, it's co-regulation. And I never knew what that was mm-hmm. growing up. When I would go to a doctor and, you know, they would say, how are you doing? And I'm like, well, Justin's not really doing good. So I'm not doing good. Right. How are you doing today? Justin's doing really good. So I'm doing really good. And, and, and it's understanding, especially for, for those who tend to judge parents it's understanding that some of us may have our own diagnoses and not know that yet I never knew that when Justin was younger Um, I knew I had debilitating anxiety but I never had an understanding of what that meant for me Mm -hmm. and you know a lot of the work has been done on myself and I'm continuing to do that I turned 50 and now I'm using my page as a sort of self-discovery Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, connecting with other people who have been diagnosed with ADHD. Justin is dual, so ADHD autistic. Um, ex- talking about executive functioning, what does that mean for me? Because how can I co-regulate with him when I'm not even regulated myself? Yeah, My executive well, functioning is all over the place. I think that that term regulation was one of the most critical things that was said to me. And I just kind of, I mean, it's not like I didn't understand the term or, yeah. but I never thought about you know, managing my household and, and Skylar and parenting him with that in mind. And it wasn't mm-hmm. until a couple of years ago, um, I've said this before on the podcast that when he started spelling to communicate the mm-hmm. first, one of the first things the therapist told me is he is going to feed off of your energy. So you have to regulate yourself. If he is frustrated, you, you can't raise your voice like a mm-hmm. typical parent might, you know, if your yes. child is acting up yeah. because he, it will shut down more and probably turn into more behaviors because 
he's disappointing me in his mind. And then he feels bad about that. So then he acts mm-hmm. out because he feels bad and he can't mm-hmm. explain to me. He's sorry. Yeah. And it's just, it's a whole thing of all of our energy in this house ends up getting just really high and everybody's mm-hmm. upset. And yeah. you know, it's just a it miserable must. experience. And I found that, that when, it, the more I laugh, the more yeah. he's, he's so great. He's so compliant. He just, and, and that's it. It's, it's a cycle. It's a mm-hmm. cycle for every family, mm-hmm. whether you have mental health, whether you have disability, whether you're just a parent of kids, everybody feeds off of each other and in energy. I'm an empath. I'm in fact, I'm a really deep empath where I have to make sure now I'm taking a pro what I call proactive breaks um, before burnout which is important, I think, for parents to understand self-care, that's what self-care can be. Right. If you realize you're going into burnout and say social media, which can set a lot of us off, mm-hmm. depending on where you are in pages, and we know there's a lot of toxicity out there. Uh, for myself, proactive um, strategies means if you see you're burning out and social media is maybe that reason for that, remove yourself for a bit. Right. Take a day away and two days away, um, you know, just practice mindfulness, being present in your life. Uh, I can get very lost with social media. Mm-hmm. Um, and I take in, I, I take in a lot of emotions of others. And I had to remove myself from a lot of groups and certain pages because it was very toxic. Mm-hmm. And that's not me. Uh, that will never be me. I, I am very, um, there's three things that my page goes by and that I've done all my life. Those three things helped get Justin out of crisis. And that was using my empathy, respect, and validation. Those three things, when we were dealing with a crisis at 16 years old, at home and in school, um, with aggression, with blind rage, when you talk about uh, you know, I talk about gentle parenting, you know what people can do what they want to do. Like, again, right. I say, I'm just talking about my own experiences and what's worked. And for us, gentle parenting has worked. Um, and if people follow my page, they see how happy, happy Justin's do, you know, how yeah. happy he's he always is. smiling. It's genuine. <laughs> it's genuine. It's mm-hmm. not fake, you know, and, and oftentimes I become self-conscious because, you know, I'm thinking of people thinking, you know, when you're on a page, you you feel like that. You're out in front of everybody. You feel judged. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just here to be genuine and share what's happening with us. And our son is thriving. Yeah. Um, and he is thriving outside of the school system. And that's okay. But don't you think um, people want to see that? I mean, I think when I started my page, which I did everything backwards, I kind of started yeah. my page after I wrote my book and then yeah. I don't know, but, yeah. but I think I, I really try to fair balance everything. Mm-hmm. We don't go many months um, where it's just roses and sunshine. I mean, yes. there's definitely an event or something that'll happen mm-hmm. and it kind of throws everything off. And then we take several months to rebuild. And yeah. I, to, to Skylar's respect, like out of respect for him, I share mm-hmm pieces of it. I never show videos of him melting down or hitting mm-hmm. me, or I really try to avoid if he could say, mom, don't post that. I yes. try to think to myself, could he, you know, not want yeah. me to share that. But I think it's again, important to share both sides of it because it's not ideal to have roses all the time. It's mm-hmm. that's just not the way most families are, are set up any family. So I think people relate more to you because you're honest and you are transparent about all the things that you're going through. Well, 
and I think that's it. That's it's a balance. I'm very, um, very protective of both my children. I also have a daughter who's 25 and she works with adults with disabilities. I have a niece who is an EA. They both went into the field because they grew up with Justin. Like they were seven years apart from Justin, but they grew up with Justin. They grew up with, you know, respect. And, you know, as, as I learned, they learned. Um, you know, and they went into the field very, with very knowledgeable and very up to date of, you know, not back what I used to do. And they still ask, you know, today, like my niece will ask, you know, what do you think about this and about this? And I'm like, you know, I give her my opinion and she's on the same page as me. But when you're in the school system, it's very, um, if you're more of a forward thinker, uh, as far as, uh, what I call myself to be radical acceptance, whereas, um, less is more for us so it's not when justin was younger my anxiety i said was so high it was debilitating and like you said as a family we fed off of each other christmas time any kind of holidays were nightmares um, because you know you're trying to dress your child up and you don't want to be in that and i didn't have the knowledge that i have now sensory yeah. related and you know as he started getting older i just got tired and i'm like i'm not going to force this you want to wear track pants wear track pants and we would get away without meltdowns and that's how i learned because i became tired was the anxiety self-induced yes. because you were worried about yes. presenting your family as as it could fit in with everybody else kind of well you know, yeah not even so much the fitting in because i've never really struggled with that it's just uh you know we're going for christmas let's everybody dress up nicely i mean yeah. sometimes yes it's about our traditions when we were young but it's not our memories right you know this is what we need to realize what we're trying to create for our children are memories from what we had our child my, justin doesn't have those memories justin needs to come and go in a room when it's busy we allow him to come and go we don't right. force him to sit because he can't sit and we did that from the time he was a little we didn't force him to sit at, at uh, Christmas dinner and eat what everybody else is eating because he wouldn't so for him for a long time we would have him um, he needed to be in another room on a computer where, where it was quiet because my husband size Portuguese and it can be loud <laughs> <laughs> So he would be in another room on the computer eating a TV dinner and yeah. he was not having meltdowns because we were accommodating him. Right. We weren't accommodating us. We were accommodating him. And you have to, when you finally kind of realize, and I think that's what's happening to some parents where they're just, they're so burnt out where they're like feeling defeated and they're just like, I can't do it anymore. But the thing is, the lovely thing is, is that what I've noticed is less is more mm -hmm. for a lot of our high needs, complex children, adults, teens, less is more. If you have, I mean, you and I, if we are so overloaded with stress and then people are piling that on top of us, how are you going to learn? I know I won't learn like that. Mm -hmm. And that's what I do. I ask fight or flight for sure. Yes. Fight mm -hmm. or flight. How would I feel if this were me? When you talk about sharing your stuff about your son, if he could tell me, what do you think he would say? Um, in very difficult times, I would think a majority of us would say, please don't put that on there. Yeah. Honestly. I, and I will say from, because I have the language to say it. If that was me, I would say, please 
you know, I, my daughter, she, she can speak. She told me as she started getting to be around a teenage, you know, please. And everything that I shared about her was good. It was all positive. Yeah. Nothing my daughter's the same. But she Even still her college acceptance. She's like, don't, I don't, yes. don't put that on there. I'm like, Kendall, I'm proud of you. Yes. <laughs> yes. <it>. And, <laughs> and that's the thing. It's, it's, you know, um, it becomes, as they start getting older, it becomes their business. Yeah. You know, I get and we it. Need yeah. to, right. And we need to sometimes as parents, this is the hard part, pull back. And I had to do it if my daughter was easier um well not really because you know girls can be when they're teenagers they can be pretty clashing you know yeah um well do you feel like with her though I mean for me she's your oldest and and my daughter's my my second my youngest and so um everything experiencing with her is the second it should have been the second time but it's Mm -hmm. you know the first time so all those rites of passage I missed with Skylar but with her it's like it's hard because you're not going to get to do those specific things again with Justin. Mm-hmm. So as a mom, it's hard to not want to celebrate that because I do celebrate Skylar. I mean, I'm posting about mm-hmm. spelling and things he's doing and accomplishing, accomplishing yeah. big and small. Mm-hmm. And I want to share about her too, because I want to share my whole life. I don't want yes. my life to appear that it's just about Skylar because then the parent guilt sets in and I'm like, yes. not talking enough about my daughter. And so people are going to think, or she's going to think like, I don't love her as much or something. I just well, like no. you can't win. <laughs> and 100%, you just hit the nail on the head because yeah. I have dealt with that my whole life. Am I doing enough for her? Mm-hmm. Um, am I talking too much, especially with the page? Am I talking too much about Justin and not enough about her and how proud I am of her and the guilt? I understand because I've actually had the conversation with her and I confronted her and said, like, I feel so guilty talking about Justin like this all the time. And people may think like, you never talk about your daughter. And many times because I was feeling self-conscious, I would say on my page, my daughter has asked me not to share. She's very humble. She's quiet. She has asked me not to share um, because the guilt is there in the, in the, you know, worried about being judged. And this is mm-hmm. what happens when you create a page and it starts growing and you put your life out there for, for people to, to put in their two cents. Um, I must say though, having a strength-based page and I did that because of my mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe in balance. I, uh, being a mental health advocate, I believe in talking about uh, depression. I share my own stories uh, with depression, being diagnosed with ADHD, um, anxiety. And I try to compare what I went through when Justin was younger and what I'm going through now and what I've learned, because I think this is how people will learn. Um, they're going to learn when you're saying this strategy worked for me, not, you know, my child broke this, 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 um, because what are we learning from that? We're learning to be almost afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where we're, people are telling us that don't have the experience, pull them out of school, they don't belong in school. Um, yet, the real issue is lack of services, lack of mm-hmm. funding, a broken system. Um, that's the real issue. And when our children are being blamed, their self-esteem is very low already. Uh, many of them, like your son and my son, who are very limited verbally or non-verbal, um, can't say whether they're being bullied at school, um, can't say whether they're being restrained at school, which is what was happening with Justin. Mm-hmm. Um, so those proactive strategies in the, the environment for Justin was not suitable. Um, so he's going to have meltdowns. Uh, he would not go through a day without meltdowns. And I can guarantee that 100% because he's very sensitive to environment. So transitioning, going into classrooms with other students, uh, having all the sound around you, the movement, everything is so sensory related, um, for him, 
in overload, overload all the time that it was, there was just going to be behaviors. There was no way around it. And I think this could be a controversial thing I say, but I have no filters. <laughs> so I, I think we will never get away from children, teens and adults having meltdowns in sure. school because it's not built with them in mind. No, I agree. We're I, I so mean, busy trying yeah. to make them be like everybody else. Um, and that's when I say I did the work on myself very early on. When Justin was first diagnosed, we were very open about the autism. And I that's where I learned all that I could. And again, what I learned back then, uh, I don't do anymore. And that was IBI. Yeah. ABA. Yeah. Um, well, and can I ask you, so, um, and, and we can talk about as much as you want to talk about yep. with the schooling system, but, yep. um, and I just know from just kind of reading several of your posts and things that, um, and restraining was a real issue. And um, Skylar had uh, a situation come up that I haven't talked about, and I'm, I'm not going to go into details yet, but, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. but he, he was uh, very uh, restrained in a very, very scary way. Mm -hmm. Also, um, and I didn't find out about it until this summer, this past summer, mm -hmm. and it happened a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. So my first and his reaction besides crying hysterically and mm -hmm. freaking out, um, is the PTSD that they experience not being verbal and not and a lot of our kids, even if they are verbal struggle to talk about their feelings and mm -hmm. how, what they're feeling and how they're feeling. So the damage of any of that stuff, it could be lifelong. And I don't know, because I wasn't told about the situation that mm -hmm. he didn't have increased behaviors at that time, because he was trying to tell me like, I don't want to go here anymore. Yes. They're hurting me, yes. Yes. but I had no way of knowing. And it's just, that's the thing that as a parent with a child that struggles, mm -hmm. I, I just, his whole life, how am I ever going to know if someone is mistreating him? unless I see it with my own eyes and hopefully I don't because I will kill them. Yeah. But I just, yeah. I mean, so and, and this is why, how do you establish whether he has significant PTSD from all that stuff? He does have, he does have PTSD. He has complex imagine. PTSD and I have what I call secondhand PTSD. Um, that's my own term. Uh, because like I said, you know, as parents, we feed off of our children and when your children are coming home and they're being aggressive, and, you know, and I don't get into what that looks like, just know right. that there was aggression and blind mm -hmm. rage. Um, it's not an easy thing to not yell to protect yourself to, sure. you know, I mean, that's, that's, you know, it's, um, it's scary. It's very scary. And when it's your child, it's all those emotions around your child, because you love your child. And you know that they're not meaning to do that. This is meltdown. This is fear. This is anger. And they mm -hmm. don't have the language to say it. Um, and Justin has complex PTSD because almost three years later, he still says no school, Aww. no school every day. And it just adds to your plate. It's like, we already yes. have enough stuff that we're trying to do. And then they just add on another level of chaos for these poor kids, for us to try to decipher yes. and figure out yes. how to, and, and yes, and it's frustrating. And that's why I continue to advocate, especially around crisis and restraint, because when autistic advocates talk about the trauma in school, and it's true, and it's real. Mm -hmm. um, my son is very limited verbally, 
Um, and what I thought was anger, because it was coming out as aggression and blind rage would come mm -hmm. from nowhere. His eyes would dilate a different way. It was, it was not him. And it was scary. And I became this uh, very anxious around him, very, sure. jumpy, very right. And, you know, um, my personalities and I couldn't self-regulate because then I didn't know what, you know, what's going to set him off. Should I go here? Should I not go there? So my inner turmoil was, and he's going to feed off of that, but how, yeah. you know, then it, that's why I talk about, it's not just about the parents and the kids. It's everybody around us that needs yeah. to step up and start seeing that there is trauma. Your son, I can probably guarantee has PTSD. His psychiatrist uh, said so. I mean, I our would attorney guarantee... said so, but there was nothing we could do. I mean, there's no, there's nothing I can do to get out of him yet until he can openly communicate through and, spelling and whatever and tell and me about it. And that's the thing. What I would suggest to you, I couldn't very well get that out of Justin. Uh, I only know because when I was being called to come because he was uh, having meltdowns and, you know, I was at home and of course they're going to call you. And my thinking is, you know, many people are like, well, that's their job. No my son has dignity he this is going to be long term for him so mm -hmm. if I can I am going to go to the school and pick him up and that's why I was home it was my I became a full-time caregiver that's what I signed up for yeah uh, yep. so I, when I would go many times I'd walk in and he was being restrained at that time face red uh you know um trying to pull away and you know that if you're in a meltdown like that it's worse especially if you don't like to be touched you know, if you're angry and somebody's holding you back, what's going to happen? You're going to increase their anger. Yeah. You're going to increase their fear. It's not going to get better. It's not de-escalating in any no, way. No, it's not de-escalating. And I, yeah. when people say, well, what are you going to do if somebody's aggressive? Well, this is where proactive strategies come in. This is where understanding that- and Better breaks, training. Better training, more mm -hmm. funding, uh, understanding that uh, stimming and scripting. Now this could be controversial for some parents, but stimming and scripting and movement, we allow Justin to do that unlimited. Yeah. And we and have most people say now you should like that shouldn't be the God honest because God. that they can't control it for one thing. I mean, it's, it's a coping mechanism for them. Mm -hmm. And I know because I see Justin stems and he scripts and, and his scripts are, they're are functional. So, mm -hmm. you know, as we come into Halloween and Christmas, he had a script for Halloween. As soon as Halloween was over, the Christmas script started coming. And those are things, you know, when you talk about not knowing whether your child has gone through that, just maybe put that into your brain that that's a possibility. Even mm -hmm. being in the school system where he has to, you know, he has to not be himself and our kids can't mask if your son is just like mine he can't mask yeah. they're more high needs they're complex they can't mask mm -hmm. um they're going to stand out and that's where I come in and say you know this is why he's stimming this is why he's scripting this is why it's a benefit to him this is um you know what can we do in the schools to accommodate because meltdowns will never stop as far as I'm concerned meltdowns will never stop in the school system because it's not set up for our children um, their learning style, their, you know, whether they need breaks or not, you know, some parents don't even want their kid pulled out of class. I was okay with Justin being pulled out of class because he needed that. Uh, he needed that. Not that mm -hmm. I was so worried about the classroom. He needed it. And mm -hmm. I retrained my brain to say, he comes first. Yes, we can work. We need to work together as a team. That to me is critical. When you're working with anybody, you need to be on the same page. He's doing fantastic in day program. 
because we're on the same page. I was going to ask you that. Like, so he left the system at that school system at 16 and then you kind of just took over and, you know, did you develop kind of a, I don't want to say it's not curriculum, but I mean, like, just like life skills and like day per, like what is available for him at that age? And even now at 18 into adulthood, are there plentiful options or is that that's where we struggle here in yeah. the states. Uh, there aren't plenty. Yeah. There aren't plentiful options. Yeah. Um, and I'm just dipping my toes into the adult side of advocacy and what that means and you know, doing all the paperwork mm-hmm. and get, you know, the I had to take a, a social media break because I was just so overloaded from the paperwork from realizing, you know, we started at 16 with, with the, you know, getting the assessments done two, three hour assessments. And, you know, he can't be in that, but I'm in that. And everything just starts, you know, I have ADHD starts jumbling and you know, the more you read, the more you're like, I don't know the answer to this. Like, I I feel like I'm repeating myself and it can really uh, play mind games. And it's negative. Usually it's like, nope, you can't do that. Nope. You can't do that. Nope. You can't do that. And I'm like, I don't want to fill this out anymore. This is depressing. And imagine so, how they must feel, you know, yeah. I, mean, I, I believe even if your child is deemed non-verbal, uh, non-communicative, like Justin doesn't have, uh, he doesn't have a communication device. So he has limited language, but I know his body language. I know him very well. Mm-hmm. And that's why I advocate because not everybody knows him like I know him. Um, but it's, it's what's being shown right now um, as fact that for some kids, school is not for them. Right. Skylar uh, hasn't been in school since he was seven. And it's making that jump. And, and again, I talk about caregiver benefit because being an advocate, I know it's like my scenario is probably the, probably the best scenario out there where I am able to be at home with my son, where I am developing. Um, and I don't do programming for him. I am not a teacher. Uh, we live life. That's what I say. We live life unless it's more. Experiences. Yes. We've taken away. Yeah. We've taken away the stress. Less is more. Um, and what that has done in my eyes, when I talk about the nervous system, taking away all of that stress has opened up his brain and dropped his stress level. And now he's learning, which may, to me, it's not really rocket science. I mean, if, if you're taking away stress from yourself, your, your anxiety will drop, your depression may get better. You know, uh, if you figure out strategies, if you have ADHD, if you figure out strategies and, and use that, if you figure out coping skills, this is what we did with Justin. Um, and for the first little while, it was healing. It was being out of the school system and realizing oh, yeah, it was around COVID time and all of that was going on. And for us, uh, you know, it almost ended up being a blessing because I don't like know. Perfect timing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I really could not have seen him going back to school. And I think this eventually would have been um, our choice. Um, so, you know, three days a week, he goes to an adult day program. They took him in okay. when he was 16. Not every, and I'm seeing a lot of states and, and provinces don't have day programs. So right there is where we need to start. Yep. That's our experience. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. Not having day programs and not having good day programs because mm-hmm. I've been, Justin's been in other day programs where they're so packed in like sardines that there's going to be meltdowns from everybody because they're feeding off. Of each, there's nowhere for them to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're throwing in people that have, you know, auditory processing and, in you know, not wanting to be around with big crowds, like you're creating that tornado yeah. to me, that's feeding what you're doing. Yeah, you're defeating the purpose. And so Justin is in a program that's smaller. Um, and, you know, they allow what do they him. do? What do they do with him? 
Um, it, it's just for him, it's just basic. Like, uh, you know, they do some martial arts, they do crafts, oh, nice. they, you know, so it's, so they go on the community every, and do they things. go for walks every day, um, Mondays they go to the library, um, you know, and for Justin, that's perfect for him Yeah. Uh, to, to have him in a day program where they're out every day in the community. It, uh, it, it would be a lot for Justin. Yeah. Um, and you know, Justin is getting away without having a one-on-one in this program. Um, whereas out in the community, that's a huge success. It is a huge success. And and that's why I want to talk about it because, you know, like people think that if your child's high needs, complex high needs, nothing will work for them, but that's farther from the truth. And I want people, even like yourself to know that if you think your child has PTSD, put some strategies in like Justin for a long time, he, he can't really have a conversation back and forth with me. So I'm saying like, a lot of my uh, stuff that I've learned is guessing. It's it's guessing sure, and, and yeah. leaning on nonverbal behavior um, and realizing that when he was in school and he's being aggressive and I have to pick him up and the aggression is coming at home and the blind rage, like his eyes are like, he's not there. Yeah. Um, and we talk about, you know, we often talk about, you know, is there remorse after for Justin? Yes. 100% there is remorse yeah not during the meltdown because they're not there you know many have seen they call it an autistic crisis we're getting away from meltdown because too many people are using it you know the child had and a it's meltdown. not a t- it's not the same as a temper tantrum with your three-year-old no, who's at the grocery no. store and doesn't get a piece of candy it's not that it's different it, it you're it's, right they just disappear and they just yeah. and the people that they inflicted on like their mothers and stuff. Yes. I say that all the time. I know, I know that Skylar loves me and that, that yes. when he pulls my hair or hits me or whatever, yeah. that it's not, it's not personal. Mm-hmm. It, you know, he just doesn't have any other way of expressing himself. And he knows I'm always going to love him no matter yes. what. So yes. I think he feels comfortable to take it out on me because I'm not gonna, you know, kick him out or anything. I'm going to love him and I'm going to hug him through it and it'll be fine. You are his safe person. Yes. And many parents need to realize that for years and years, I would say, I'm a stay-at-home mom, I'm a stay-at-home mom. And then my son's principal one year said, you're not just a stay-at-home mom, you're a caregiver and you're doing a very important job. And that changed my whole uh, step. My step changed because I'm like, yeah, I'm not just a stay-at-home mom. Like I'm doing a lot. I've been advocating for 17 years. Never have I got paid for anything. And I've sat across the table from clinicians and therapists and and uh, teachers and, you know, parent counsel, um, just to let people know that, you know, I love my son and he's a good kid. And what you see from him is part of his disability. And when you talk about that, the meltdown, now I know it is an autistic crisis. And many people are saying it's similar to what people would see with seizures. If somebody's Mm -hmm. in a seizure, and you're saying to them, get up and do this task, or, you know, do this, this, are they going to listen to you? No, they're in the middle of a seizure. Same with meltdowns. When you're talking about autism, that's what I see in my head. Autistic crisis is uh, during that moment when you're yelling and screaming at them, you're overloading them even more, which your therapist, whoever told you that was very correct in that. Yeah. Um, And that's the experience that I had when times when I was reacting to, because when you're being hurt, it it hurts, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and you're scared. Um, But every time I would react in a louder voice, it got worse. Yep. The meltdown got worse and the aggression got worse. And, uh, you know, and, and I will remember one time, um, 
I had a panic attack because it had been going on for a while Mm -hmm. and I had a panic attack and I sat down on the couch and I'm just, I started bawling and then I started hyperventilating and you know, I don't know if you've ever had panic attacks, but once you're in that, you are in that. And uh, I couldn't stop the, the aggression and it was just too much for me. And obviously I wasn't regulated and I was traumatized. And Justin put his hand on my shoulder and stopped my panic attack just by putting his hand on my shoulder. So during that time, as much as he was going through a severe meltdown near the end of that severe meltdown, he was able to connect with my emotion, put his hand on my shoulder. And that's what stopped my panic attack was just feeling him beside me. And he didn't move. He just put his hand now. So that's empathy. Yeah. Yeah. Our kids have empathy. They you know, know that we do for them. Nonverbal communication do. is huge. It is there. You that's have all they've really had to work. rely on. So, I mean, that's the thing it's is there. I, you have to trust your gut with that. I mean, Skylar has alternative colitis on top of it. So mm-hmm. um, just knowing, like you said, we know our kids best. Every parent does, especially yes. mothers. No, yes. no offense to dads, yeah. but we just have yeah. this intuition about us. And you have to listen to it because- it is a game of charades. It is an endless mm-hmm. game of charades. We're constantly trying to figure out what yes. that means and what that, you know, new mannerism yeah. is for. And yeah. they're, they're counting on us to figure it out. 100%. And, you know, when Justin was younger, I used to call myself a master detective because that's what I was. <laughs> yes. I was always trying to figure out what the trigger was, um, you know, and when I couldn't figure it out again my brain wouldn't settle so I would I would talk about them being OCD loops but I found out recently with ADHD it's called you you ruminate so if you have a thought in your head and you go over and over and over I could have done this I should have done this and it's it's for me it's debil- it can be debilitating and I get lost in those thoughts and I can't yeah. focus my I my memory I start losing my memory um and And it was even worse when Justin was younger because, you know, safety was a massive issue and he didn't have the skills. And this is what's important for people with younger kids. When you look at pages like ours, where we have older kids, or even if your child doesn't have those skills yet, and I say yet because it's never too late, Justin started riding a bike this I was going to ask 18, you about that. I wanted to talk 18, about that. Yes, uh, we bought him a bike for his 17th birthday because I've always wanted to ride a bike. He can't do a two-wheeler. Obviously, it's dangerous. He doesn't have the attention. So we've never tried to even teach him because I'm like, I, I can't. My stress was like, too. Um, but last year, I'm like, let's see if we can give him a three-wheel bike. You know, we moved out to the country. We have a long road that's kind of empty. But even when we were first practicing, he was on the grass. I'm like, you're not going nowhere near the road. And I would run beside him. And, you know, we would encourage him. Um, we had to work on braking. And, you know, all the, those are little baby skills that had to be built up to where he is now. And my anxiety, I'm sure you're the same. If you have anxiety, sometimes our anxiety gets in the way. Yeah. I just, and, I just worry about all the things instead of letting yes. him do more. And, and yeah. I'm working on that as he's an adult. I'm like, okay, I got to stop babying him because he's never going to learn if I keep doing it for him. And, so. and I think that's, that's the key, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's the autonomy. It, I, you know, whether a kid is uh, classified as high needs, low needs, uh, everybody wants to be able to have pride in themselves. And I firmly believe that mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm really a, even if your child doesn't have language, every human wants to be proud of themselves. And when you have kids like ours who are fighting a system, who, who don't fit in, who don't have friends, um, who are always told that they're not doing things the way they should, they don't listen, you know, 
that really dampens the spirit. Sure. Um, and I know I always look from my standpoint, that's what I do. How would I feel if it was me? Um, if this was people doing this to me, I would just, I would be exactly doing what Justin was doing. Um, if I was restrained at school, I'd be so scared. I would be grabbing at people. I would be kicking. I would be, and because you don't understand, he doesn't understand, you know, why are you holding me back? What did I do that is wrong? I mean, these things are probably going inside of his head. Maybe verbally yeah. they're not able to, to speak, but we know nonverbal, they, they, you know, they can type, they can communicate. Um, and there's so much in there. Like I see with Justin, there's so much in there. So again, I just continue to be the master detective. Um, I praise always uh, during our crisis, I used my empathy, uh, respect for his emotions, anything like uh, negative, what we call negative emotions like anger and um, embarrassment or anything like that. Again, I would have to kind of guess um, and validate. I see that you're angry. Um, but maybe not knowing the reason, because we know lots of times we don't know those reasons, um, which when in school, I thought, okay, it's just, he's just so overwhelmed. He's, he just can't do this. You know, this is not the place for him. Um, and realizing that what needed to happen was first, he needed to be in an environment that where he was going to be successful. Um, and he needed to learn that it's not all his fault. Uh, that was a big thing. Uh, mm -hmm. And I just continue talking to him as though he understood because I don't know what he understands. He can't verbally tell me, but I am, uh, I talk to him like he understands what I'm saying yeah. and things will go in. And I know they go in because I see it days later, months later, years later, it's there. Um, you know, like I say, the crisis for Justin three years later, it is still there. Like I think he's gone through it every day because every day he talks about it. So in turn for me, I had to go start speaking to somebody because I can't heal either from the trauma because he's always bringing it up. And then for me, of course, it's like, oh, I'm so pissed off, you know, minus sorry about my word, but oh, no, I'm okay. so, I'm so <laughs> angry because everybody's blaming him, but they're not looking at what their part is, where the systems are broken. What yeah. can we do? How do we fight? How do we go forward and not get lost in, in some of the things that in advocacy that we're getting lost in? How do we come forward as, as community and start saying, let's challenge our governments all over the world because uh, it's happening everywhere. Um, let's demand better. Let's get education. Let's teach people empathy. Let's what pay more. Like. Let's pay more. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's like the biggest thing. More. Have you found that like I mean, I think some of my anxiety, I have a therapist too, have for a long time. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, some of mine is brought on kind of by what you said. Like on the one hand, I'm I'm a detective. I'm doing all of these things for Skylar and I'm yep. he's the forefront of my mind and trying to mm -hmm. fix anything he needs me to fix and, and to um, establish a relationship between us where he can count on me. And then, you know, when I'm not in the one hour of the day that I'm not handling something directly for him, I'm advocating loudly to legislators to just to get better resources. I, I'm doing the podcast. I'm trying to meet mm -hmm. other people that we can put mm -hmm. our heads together. I never feel like I'm not living in the autism bubble in some way, shape or form. So there's no time left for me, which is fine. And, and I'm not complaining at all. I've, I've, I've did all this stuff because I want to, but that anxiety is just like, I want to help him, but I want to help others too. Like the kids mm -hmm. that are still coming up, I want to fix this problem. Mm -hmm. I feel like just helping my son isn't enough because it's and a I problem get we that. all know. Yeah. I mean, it's and, just so hard. I get that. I'm so hard on myself because I but want to do yes. more. 
and this is what I talk about with self-discovery and what we as moms and females who were people before we had our children Mm -hmm. um you know this is a lifelong thing for our families this ain't going anywhere right so coping skills and strategies are very important and understanding that I get where you like I want to fix it all understanding that we can't We just simply can't. It's too much for us. And yes, even as a collective, we can see people talking about it everywhere, still not going anywhere. Um, So it's understanding that for yourself, long-term mental health preservation is key. Um, And that is saying, well, you know what? Maybe I I understand that I can't help everybody or that I I, I have to take care of myself right now. Um, You know, advocacy is very... uh, you get very lost in it. And I got very, very, I lost myself in advocacy and it happens. It happens lots of times when your kids are younger and then it starts happening when your kids get older Mm -hmm. because now you're having different experiences. And um, I lost myself and I was angry and bitter and jealous and all of those negative emotions. I went through them all. I went through them all. And I believe it's a face. It's a face for, and maybe will be forever because again, this is our life. Um, but this is where we have to really look at ourselves. And this is what I'm talking about now as, as parents and start saying, we are fighting for our kids, but we need to start fighting for ourselves. And that means taking care of our own mental health. And that means if we need to speak to a counselor, we have to take the time to do that because proactive strategies means recognizing that you're not doing good, that you're going to, to burn out or you are in burnout and you're uh, in deep depression and you're not getting out of depression, but you still have to take care of your kids. Um, it's recognizing that, you know what, I'm okay. I have to take care of myself. I have no choice in the matter because if I want to be here for my family, I have mm-hmm. to come first sometimes. And I'm talking about that a lot more now because it's what I'm doing. Um, and for once in my life, I don't have the guilt I had guilt when my kids were little. Yeah. Uh, I never got a chance to sit. But now that he's older, he's still high complex needs. But with less is more for him and for I, we're both doing good. My anxiety has dropped. I'm learning now that I have ADHD. What are those strategies that I need to put in place to help me? How many strategies did I learn to help Justin not realizing I need those strategies? Exactly. It really starts with us. And that's what we mean when we talk about self-care. I think people hear that and they think, you know, going and getting a manicure and stuff. That's, that's great. If that's, if you're able to do that, that's not what we mean. It just means taking 30 seconds to breathe, to to just take a breath. And, you know, it's not all going to be handled today. Like tomorrow you can do something else, but just to take a step back and not give so much because you can only give, you know, if your cup is empty, there is nothing left and you're going to just. And if you're advocating for everybody else, but you're burnt out, your child is paying for that price. Yep. You know, advocacy. And your other child. And your other child. Yes. If you have other children, children, if you have other partner, family members, you know, it's, we're so, and I I was that parent. I was that parent that I was so wrapped up in it. It was my life. Yeah. And now I'm like, wow, who am I? Uh, what am I going to do now that Justin's a little bit older? He'll still always need me, but he also needs to learn some independent skills and, and autonomy, give him autonomy. He's so happy when I give him choices and he's able to choose and not me tell him what to do. Yeah. Um, and we're seeing growth. We're seeing growth in communication. We're seeing growth in social and it's, he's choosing it. It's not being forced like it was when he was a kid. 
if you are an introvert, I can be an introvert and an extrovert. I love my alone time. I need my alone time to decompress. Mm-hmm. Um, especially as a parent of a neurodiverse child or a teen, actually an adult, I need my time to decompress. And my time means I take, you know, I, I take some breaks from social media. And like you said, self-care is not, let's go for a pedicure. Let's go for a manicure. I can't get a babysitter for my kid. You know, yeah, a lot I have of people, no I'm a single parent yeah. or I have to work. Yeah, There are so many different scenarios that I try to learn about because, you know, when I speak about myself, like I said, my, my scenario is probably the best scenario that can be. And, but I have to always realize as an advocate that there are single parents, there are people coming from war torn countries who don't even have a home. There's homeless people, uh, you know, and it's in advocacy. We need to be talking about those uh, situations as well, because caregiver benefits is what something I would, would love to see, yeah. especially for families in crisis, like mine, who we were, it was not a, um, you know, okay, let's homeschool. I'm so excited about this. It was like, we have to homeschool yeah. because our life depends on it. His life depends on it. Somebody is going to get hurt or mm-hmm. he is going to end up in a facility uh, on lots of medication. Those were the options. And that option to me was not, you know, so caregiver benefits, you know, in a situation like myself, if I didn't have a husband or you don't, you know, you don't have anybody to rely on um, and your child's in crisis, you want to pull them out of school and you think they'll do better. You know, my son should have been in school till he was 21 in Ontario. 16 Mm -hmm. to 21 is five years. So five years now, we're those five years, we're paying for a program to put him into and it's not cheap. Yeah. We're lucky that we can do that. Yes, again, we are lucky. But at the same time, I, I see it from the standpoint where we are forced to do it. Well, and at 22 here, to... you are forced. I mean, yeah. there's nothing left. So there's, there's nothing no programs, left. It's like, okay, I'm all of a sudden an instant uh, homeschool yeah. mom because that... at 22, because I don't know what else yes. to do with them. And I have to quit yes. my job. And it just, it starts, like you said, if caregiver benefits or even like the state of California pays parents um, to stay home. Mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure in California, it's a mediocre salary, but still it's something, yeah. it's some recognition of their time yeah. at home and taking care of the needs of their child, because a lot of us have to, would have to quit our jobs. And I probably will have to when he's 22, yeah. because somebody has to take care of him all day. Yeah. And I can't do both. And I think the thing is, is and this was, I'm really trying to, especially for a parent like yourself, who's saying, you know, I may have to leave the job and take care of my son. Um, you know, never give up. Mm-hmm. This is what I want. I want to give people hope because sure. we took him out of school. Uh, we dropped, we did less is more. And he is, ch- he is like night and day. So people need to know that you don't have to have your kidding. Like Justin was in therapy school. Anytime he wasn't, this is what you were taught back then. Put him in yeah. therapy. When they're not in therapy, movie. they're in school. Yeah. When they're not in school and you were made to feel bad if you couldn't do even any more than 21 hours of therapy, you were like aiming for 40 hours of therapy because yeah. that's all we knew that's all we knew at the time and today I'm speaking and saying our son has trauma he has trauma from all of that he had a friggin' full-time job as a baby yeah three years and eight months he was when he started the, uh, a regional program three years and nine months and he was early intervention he was one of the ones that got in the earliest and I was like yeah this is amazing now at 18 he doesn't know how to say no um yeah. he's he's traumatized from being in school and that's not just from the the being restrained in high school that's from years of a broken system we had right. so many fantastic educators but they can only do so much you know you could have one great teacher one year the next year it's like oh my god it's like you know you know growing up it's 
I used to say I live minute by minute. That's how I live. That's how I had to live because one time there could be a meltdown a minute later and he was smiling. Yeah. And that's very taxing on your, your system as a parent, your nervous system, when you're in that uh, high and low, high, low, uh, it, it creates trauma for us as well. Mm-hmm. Well, and, he you know, loves riding bikes, which we mm-hmm. established. All right. You guys just taught him that. Um, are you guys also teaching him to cook certain things or in the kitchen? I've seen some of his yeah. like, you know, dinners that he's, you know, made for you and yes. stuff. So yeah. are you, are you working on those kind of things with him at home too? Um, yeah. So like when I talk about uh, not being a teacher and that we live life, that's exactly what we do. I look mm-hmm. at skills that he's going to need um, that will benefit him. And I'm like, will he need this? Yes. Will he need this? No. Push that off to the side. Right. Will he need uh, to learn, um, you know, obviously hygiene. We work on hygiene. He needs mm-hmm. to know that. Yep. Um, you know, we work on cooking because Justin loves Barney and that's all he wants to think about is Barney. So <sighs> now that he's getting older, we're, we're wanting to talk about autonomy and getting him to be exposed to new things. Um, you know, so cooking is one of the things that he tends to. He likes um, giving to people. Like he's very empathetic that way. So when we cook and we present to somebody what we've made, he loves to do that. So uh, he's a pizza lover, you know, that's all he wants to eat is pizza. And, you know, I mean, the food issue is another thing I don't even want to get into, <laughs> you know, what, we're past the, what is autism? You know, they have, you know, we are past that. We're, we're, we're to the point where we need to say, what are coping skills for us as parents? What are coping yeah. skills for our kids? Um, what is it going to look like? Um, because now, like I said, it's worse. There's not, Justin had the services back then. Um, and yes, that helped, but at the same time, uh, you know, while he learned skills, he also um, learned that he uh, sometimes wasn't good enough. And, and I'll say that what it is, because it's, you know, if somebody is telling you and blaming you all the time, and I, I, I was not very in the classroom or anywhere with him, I can imagine how much he used to get yelled at. Yeah, uh, because he wasn't able to sit and he was all over the place. Or people and talking about them when they're well, in people talking and about them underestimating and them. I know Skylar's experienced that his whole life. And I have seen so. that. I, and, you know, I have seen, um, you know, professionals talking about the, the individual out in halls, um, uh, you know, uh, things that should be very private. Um, I have seen people talk about and it makes me so angry because that's confidentiality. Mm-hmm. And if I'm hearing you as a parent, everybody else is hearing you and my kid is hearing you. Yeah. Um, and the last time ever, um, you know, we had a situation where somebody was working with Justin, very frustrated. Every time I, you know, drop him off at school, they'd give him to me. Their face was like, they were just so mad because Justin didn't listen. Justin didn't listen. Well, you know, yeah. there's a reason why Justin's not listening. What, let's just ask ourselves why, what, what accommodations do we need to make? It's not just, he's a bad kid, but that's the feeling I was getting. Uh, he was sitting in the truck beside me and, you know, this person came up and said, you know, he, he just, he never listens to me and angry. So I just happened to look at Justin because conversations happen in front of our kids all the time. Yeah. We need to be very careful with what we're doing because our kids are hearing. Absolutely. Um, it doesn't matter if they can speak or not, they hear. Um, and Justin um, had his head down and like his head, what I would say was held in shame, you know, when you yeah. hold your head down oh. and I looked at him and my heart broke and I thought for years and years, I have worked so hard to help him believe in himself and see the yeah. good in himself to have one person tear it down in a matter of seconds um, over days because this person was working with him. And I'm like, if I'm uncomfortable, imagine how he must feel. Cause I'm not going through firsthand what he's going through. 
Uh, so I went home, I bawled my eyes out. The more I processed, the more I became angry. Mm -hmm. uh, I sent off an email, more or less saying, you know, I don't want this person working with Justin anymore. I've worked very hard on his self-esteem. We had a meeting with the vice principal. They ended up switching, you know, with, with the, you switch from one child to another. If you're doing that to another child, you're, yeah. you're creating trauma. It's not to eliminating the, the problem. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's you know, the problem is you don't have the empathy in, 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 or the, the skills to understand that this, this kid's not doing this on purpose. You know, the, this is a, this is a disability for my son. It's a disability. Um, he's trying his hardest and people don't, it's frustrating when people don't believe you, when you say, you know, for example, when we went through aggression, you know, he doesn't mean to hurt me. Uh, you know, and people look like, look at you like, yeah, yeah. He knows if that was my kid. I mean, you know, I haven't got that. My family has been very good, mm -hmm. but we know, uh, on social media, you like my page, I've been very lucky. Um, and I think it's because it's a strength-based page. I right. have balance. I don't share the most um, hardest part about Justin, but I do say, yes, I have the experience with, with aggression. We have the experience with crisis. We have all this. What did we do? This is what we did. This is how I think people will learn. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's yeah. saying, it's saying, yes, I'm struggling. My son is struggling. Yes, we've dealt with aggression. Yes, we've, but the systems are broken. How can we change that? How can I help my son understand, you know, um, that grabbing in, in aggression is not the answer. How can I equip him with social social skills and coping skills instead of grabbing? Um, you know, do I teach him to have a break? Do I do I respect that he needs a break when he's mm -hmm. coming home from school? And he's when I pick him up from day program, we very rarely do not talk all the way home because I know he's had a long day. He doesn't need any extra. Whereas when he was younger, I was taught as soon as you get in the car, ask him a question, ask him two yeah. or three questions. And then you'd see right away his, he would start having a meltdown. And, you know, while I'm trying to work on his communication, well, he's overloaded. He's yeah. overloaded. You're not going to get anything out of him but a meltdown. I think <laughs> so that if, if everybody just treated, like we said several times before, if they just treated their child the way that they feel. So mm -hmm. when I get home from work or whatever, the last thing I want to do is have like a 15 minute discussion about mm -hmm. all the things. I just need a second. I just, yeah. I just want to take off my business clothes or whatever. I just yeah. want to decompress for a second. And then yeah. I'm every, I'm all ears. I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'll do whatever, but I just don't want everyone coming at me the minute I walk in the door or whatever. And I, yeah. I our kids are the same way. I try to limit the spelling therapy that we do during yeah. the week, to five words. I'm like, mm -hmm. we're going to do five words and he's all in. Cause as soon as I hit that fifth word, I Remind him it's the last one. We're not doing yep. it anymore. I, I yes. stick to what I say and what I promise. And, and, and so what good. you're teaching him is you're going to listen to him. So, you know, that's part of validation, yeah. right? We're going to do five words. When you do five words, we're done. Yep. Uh, then you can have right. You do whatever you want to do. Um, it's not, it, it, like I said, less is more uh, yeah. is where we are saying huge changes. And to me, it's not rocket science. It's like, we are so overloaded as humans in this world mm -hmm. and it's worse with social media um, that, you know, if you're on a page and, you know, everybody's depressed and you're depressed with them. I, that's what I needed when, when I was, when Justin was younger, I needed to be around people who are like, got my, got, got my anger and my frustration and, and validated that I needed that. But now what I need is people are going to say, uh, you know, what kind of coping strategies are you on? How did you get out of that? Or what can we see change? It's not that we need to change our kids. It's we need to change the system. And, and yep. that's two different things. 
um, if we want to if we want to raise healthy, um, well-adjusted, high complex, uh, high needs individuals, we need to see them uh, for what it is, and then that you know the disability is a disability, um, but it's not the end of the world. No, they it's still need the to be the valued. World. They need to be I, valued for what they do bring. I've learned more from Skylar about myself and just about in general than mm-hmm. he could ever learn from me. I, yes. I mean, it took me a while because yeah. like every other parent, I think we just throw everything possible at them and hope yeah. to catch them up. That's yeah. kind of the first goal, it seems like. And then yeah. once they get further and further from their peers, it's like, okay, well, how do we we'll just pick one thing, communication. How yeah. do we, you know, throw everything at them to get them to communicate? And it, yeah it's hard to not be that way because we would do that for our neurotypical kids too. If they needed a tutor, if they needed whatever it is they need, we would make sure that they had it. Mm -hmm. But with our kids, we just have to take a step back. And I think something you said earlier um, is is so huge and it's really made a difference with my relationship with Skylar. Um, Years ago, I just, another parent had made this comment and I took it to heart and I started Mm -hmm. implementing it with Skylar. And it's that even if he's having a meltdown or if he's throwing things, you know, not crazy or what, but I can tell that it's not him. I always Mm -hmm. look him right in the eye, even if he's not looking at me and I'm like, it's not your fault. And the more times I repeat it, he smiles and then he stops doing what he's doing because Mm -hmm. he knows that I'm acknowledging that he doesn't mean to throw the pillows around the room or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Um, I think sometimes it's something as small as that to meet them where they are and let mm-hmm. them know you're not upset. I'm not, I'm okay. I'm, I'm yeah. fine. I'm not mad at yeah. you. It's yeah. not your fault. And then he stops and it's just like, God, if it was that easy, I wish I would yeah. have done that a long time ago. I mean, it doesn't cure everything and it doesn't solve No, everything. but, but this is, this is when I talk the about acknowledgement that they need. Yeah. And even within ourselves, because when I talk to a lot of people, I see what you're saying. I see a lot of me. And, and then I'm like, okay, so now I'm going to challenge and I'm going to say, <laughs> when you talk about him, you know, wanting to have more words and communicate, he is commuting. He is communicating. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right? Yeah. So yeah. what we're so lost in is that he's not having those words, but that's how he's communicating. So we're going to accept, oh, he is communicating. This, this is way. So how can we work on it, expanding whatever we need to do? You did five words today. That's fantastic, buddy. You know, uh, now you can have a break and not push, 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 yeah. because that's why we get, that's why. Uh, I learned to get where I am now is by being burnt out. That's how yeah. I learned to get where I yeah. am now. Sadly, that's how, it I takes that. to, <laughs> that's how I learned to become a, what I call a radical acceptance person where, you know, understanding that behaviors happen, that meltdowns happen, but how are we going to get through this? How are we going to help him to cope? Because, you know, as parents, we're not going to be here every, you know, we're not going to be here our, our whole lives. And, and I know you have the anxiety like I have in the fear mm-hmm. Um, and it, that will never go away. And, you know, it's, it's working on our own self. Um, I find is what's really helping me because if it's my way of thinking, Justin's brain is different than mine. He doesn't think exactly like me. If I'm thinking, well, I had a great childhood at Christmas time, you know, Justin's going to love Frosty the Snowman. He won't sit down and watch it. He has no idea what it is. It's understanding that our children are not us, that they don't have the memories that we have, that they don't have the types of behaviors um, and and things that we were supposed to have when we were younger. Um, You know, sit at the table, attend, raise your hand, listen, don't talk when the teacher talks, but understanding also that, you know, 
I've heard so many times over the years, Justin's the most polite kid. And I'm like, he's autistic. He, he can learn manners. You know, yeah. um, it, don't be surprised that he was saying please and thank you because I did that with my daughter. Uh, it's, it's making sure that people aren't surprised at what they're doing because the potential is there. We just need to believe and we need to change our own way of thinking uh, and yeah. challenge ourselves. And that's what I'm doing right now. I'm challenging myself the way I think. And I've done that for years. And I'm actually probably right now, I may be in my, my best headspace, but it's, 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 um, it's a work in progress because yeah. I do have depression and, and it comes and goes, uh, but it's because of the less is more. Um, I can't do this anymore. I'm burnt out. Um, Justin can have a long break. Justin can stim. Justin can script. Justin can be himself and himself is an amazing person and he's thriving. Um, and that's what I would like to say to parents, take off that pressure off yourself. Your child doesn't have to be in 40 hours of therapy plus school, uh, plus, uh, you know, dance and this, you know, they don't, it's so many people have so much information to give it, you get lost, yeah. especially when you're a parent who's just coming into it. And those parents I'm very, very protective of yeah, because the tox toxicity in both communities, the autistic, actually autistic community, and I'll talk about it, and parents, it's toxicity. And yeah. I want to get a hold of the new parents and say, you know, these are the feelings that you're going to feel. And that's okay to feel like that. But make sure we don't stay there. Yeah. And you know, you know, depression is what it is. I have depression. Uh, you know, sometimes I'm like, where the heck is this mood? Like this week I've really battled and I'm like, nothing has triggered it. Nothing is different. It's just, I have depression and you know, menopause has wreaked havoc. And, you know, I want to, I want to connect with some of these, um, you know, middle-aged moms. Yeah. I'm right there with you. So yeah. So yeah, (laughs) connected menopause is, is a a good topic. Maybe one time we should talk about is, you know, the brain fog, the, you know, um, not remembering, and then you still have to, you know, fill out these forms for your child Mm -hmm. and, you know, do all this stuff where you have no brain, you know, your brain is mush. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, that is a a perfect way to end. And I think that, um, that's it's just such great advice from someone who's been doing this, you know, for mm-hmm. 18, 17 years yeah, or so yeah. is, mm-hmm. is release the pressure. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And yeah. I, I always try, I never present, um, because we get a grim prognosis when our kids are diagnosed as of it course. is. Yeah. Um, I never tried to never try to make parents feel like, Oh, just wait, you know, wait till yeah. puberty. Oh, just yeah. wait. It's going to get yeah. worse. I never, ever do that. And I, I really wish that parents wouldn't do that because yeah. it's not the same for everyone. Everyone has a unique yeah. experience, but if that we could give one piece of um, advice, suggestion, I guess to not say advice is to just enjoy every single day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Try different therapies, throw different things at them, but don't overwhelm them. Don't put the pressure on them and yourself to do all this stuff and enjoy those moments because you will, people say it every day, but you will blink and your child will be almost 20 like mine or, you know, 18 like yours. And it's just, it's overwhelming how much time we spent and waste on trying to get them to, you know, adhere to the current peers and to catch up and all this stuff. That's not their path. We need to follow their timeline. 
watch them and be here to support them in every way possible. Yes. Um, and be okay with and, and, yeah. yeah. And be okay with who they are. I mean, they're your right. children, yeah. you know, I they're mean, perfect. I love both my kids. They are, they are perfect. Justin <laughs> is perfect. And so as advocates, you know, that's what I do. I'm like, you know, my son's strengths are this, 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 yes, we've had crisis, but this is how we got out of it. I don't want to concentrate on all of that stuff all the time, because to me, people aren't learning anything from that. Uh, You know, what they're learning is like, well, they're getting the comfort maybe from you're in crisis, I'm in crisis, you know, but you you get stuck in that spot when you're with people like that all the time. Yes, it helps at the time. And it helped me when I was younger. But now I need to be around uh, people that sometimes not even in the autism community. It's like, okay, I need to be around women who are my age now, whether they have an autistic child or not. Uh, it, it, my brain is expanding and going village changes a little bit. Yes. And it's like, I never would have thought, oh my God. And there's no way I'm going to be with people who don't understand what autism is, but there are some fantastic people out there who have good hearts and they're empathetic and you don't have to always just stick with your own people because there are people who get it. It's just finding the right people and educating them. In a good way that they're going to learn. And I feel blessed that I find the right people on this podcast. (laughs) I'm so glad I got to meet you. And I so appreciate you sharing uh, your life and Justin and all of this great um, feedback and advice with everyone listening. And um, I will link up your Facebook page if they aren't already following you. Most people already are. (laughs) (laughs) But if they are not, um, I highly encourage people to to go to your page because like you said, it's very... um, it's very comforting because you know that someone's got your, your best interest in mind when, when I see yeah. everything you post. So um, thank yeah. you yeah. so much, Cindy. Oh, I really thank you for asking it. me. I really appreciate it. This is my first podcast. So thank you. For well, asking great. Me. Yeah. There's a first for something, isn't there? <laughs> All right. We'll take care. Okay. You too, hon. Take care. I hope you enjoyed this episode of living the sky life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the living the sky life podcast within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Skylife with others. Thanks again for listening.